Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. Wow. Yeah, that was not a fun game to watch. I uh... I actually enjoyed it towards the end. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it, uh, in what way was that enjoyable at the end? It, it, was, it, it became one of those comedy of error type of games where... You know, like you see, you know the the clown car. You see a whole bunch of clowns coming out and just <laughs> <acting> silly. <laughs> you, know, you know what? When, You're not the only one. Klopp was even laughing by the end. Yeah, honestly, when Watkins <laughs> went in and almost scored four, I was I was laughing. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is what we're doing now. <laughs> you know what it was? Honestly, I think I think he was laughing on the third deflection goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just one of those where, okay, you get a shot deflected that goes in. That's an unfortunate situation. You get two shots that are deflected and go in. That's a nightmare game. When you're on your third one, it's just like, all right, like, okay, that's what it is. Like you said, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Let's see. How many shots did Aston Villa actually take? Because they honestly could have scored 10, but I don't think they took many more shots than 10, did they? So the weird part about it is, okay, as an example, Aston Villa, like not, not that they were lucky. They clearly deserved the win. They played better, but it was, it was not really a case like, so Aston Villa had in total 18 shots at net, 11 shots on net, and they scored on seven of 11, which is unbelievable. But you look at a guy like Watkins who got, he came into the game with zero goals ever. Which is hard to believe. And ended the game with three. So it's actually not hard to believe. Because he had a one-on-one chance with Adrian and couldn't bother to put it by him. Yeah, but he's not the first one that's done that, right? So Well, no, I said Adrian, not Allison. <laughs> Adrian, he, Adrian's actually good. Um... He's good on the breakaways? Yeah, he's, he's, he's quite good with his feet, right? So in the... I think was it was it the Lincoln game or the one in Arsenal in the League Cup? He he stopped one or two um, shots like that, and he is he is pretty good at that one on one. So so I will give him that. I mean, you know that's what? All I'm gonna give him in in a way in a way I'm actually kind of like happy that okay. And and when I say happy, I mean like in a weird way happy that the game went the way it went because if it was like a really close game that was hard fought and we lost it right at the end, the team could go in and be like, okay, you know what? We gave it our all. We got an unlucky break that happens. But in this case, we got outplayed. I mean, they, they just beat us deflections aside and, and all of that. They beat us. They deserved it. Um, Adrian got a horrible mistake that went by him. Gomez played like crap. Like so many guys were so bad that it's just one of those games where everybody's got to like improve from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also in a weird way, I think it would have hurt me more if we lost to a quote unquote rival. So any of the other top six, maybe Everton or even, even a team like Newcastle or just any team that we have some type of historic rivalry with i think it would have hurt me more aston villa good for them i'm happy that they that they're doing well and um 
at least they're, they're at least they're competing unlike last year and this this score line believe it or not has actually been coming for a couple of or actually for about 10 games now to, maybe even 20 games across this season and last yeah so i i would also agree with that this feels like a reckoning because there have been simply too many breakaways on on Allison, too many quality chances. Um, it's just it, it hasn't been. We haven't been winning the way we should be. We've been like the the Leeds game is a perfect example. You know, we won that one. Everybody's happy, but three goals to Leeds. I mean, you know what? We shouldn't have given those up. There's too much sloppy play at the back. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Do they need to get rid of the high line? Like something's not working there. And this is just kind of the first time we paid for it as opposed to, um, you know, uh, this isn't a surprise. How many how many guys are getting in behind our line at this point? It's it's not a new thing. So I agree with you. It has been coming. And I and, and I think we can't understate the absence of Henderson. And I, I know that sound, we sound like a broken record because we keep saying that, but it, it is so true. Without Henderson and without Thiago and probably even without James Milner in the team from the start, the midfield and as a result, the team as a whole just doesn't seem to have any cohesion. And even things like organizing free kicks or positioning, it, it seems as if no, the players are used to having somebody just um, reconfirm that they're doing the same, um, the right thing. So having that voice just yelling at you, telling you um what position you should be in or should not be. I think they're they're so accustomed to having that. And then when you take that out of the team, they they just they play on a lower gear. And the reason why we, we didn't pay for it against Arsenal is because Arsenal chose to sit back. Where where Leeds didn't sit back as much. And so they had success. They got three goals. Right. Um so I, I don't disagree. I guess the only thing I'd say is I feel it's a bit hypocritical to to make that statement. Not that I don't disagree with it, but we on this podcast have talked about how we have a team of captains, right? Like you could take most of these guys, put them on other teams and they'd be captains. There's so much character and all that. And if we're saying that missing Hendo or or Milner makes them go down a gear, that's not a team of captains. So is are we, are we maybe been wrong? Have we maybe we need to reevaluate? And, and I got to be honest, I have... And again, I think Van Dyke is a fantastic defender. I'm not impressed with his captaincy. I feel like the team is simply different when he's the captain and not different in a good way. So we do have a team of captain material or captains of their national teams. I, th- I think there's no denying that. But for again, for whatever reason, and we, we have been open about this even last season where we noticed that once Henderson is not in in the team, they they just there's something seems to be missing, and it it isn't just his skill as a player, but there's something that he brings to the team. And I think once this team has been together for the best part of four or five seasons now, and when you take something out of that team that they're so accustomed to, there will be a drop off, right? So. If someone like Henderson is acting as the glue or just the the reminder to 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 keep things going to, to and to step it up from the middle of the field as opposed to Robertson on the left or even Van Dyke at the back, 
and then you take that out, so all of a sudden there's no voice. In the middle, you have Genie, Fab, and Naby Keita. And yes, they played well against Arsenal, but that's not a team that's going to drive you when you're chasing a goal. Or, no, I mean, that's not a midfield that will drive you when you're chasing a goal. Well, I mean, Genie's not there to drive you. So I agree. We have talked about the importance of Hendo and the team. Um, I guess this game just highlighted it even more in a way, but in kind of an unsettling way where, I don't know, I guess like I would think that after, say, the fourth goal, they go in at halftime down heavily. They come back like with a passion and an anger. And I guess I just didn't see that. So I guess that's where I come back to my comment of like, are these guys captains on their teams? Because I mean, a captain would not be okay with this type of behavior. But to, to your point, a midfield of um, Genie and Fab is not going to do anything up front. And I don't know, what do you think of Keita today? He he usually looks a lot more creative and, and has more of a spark. That That just seemed to be missing from him today. I thought he actually played fine. And I think what's happening there is in this game and the last game against Arsenal, he looks like he's mastering the genie role, right? So he's playing the way that genie has played for this team in the past. The problem is you already have genie in the team. So you're now sacrificing what Naby can bring going forward to have two genies in the team and a holding midfielder in Fabinho. Right, So I just don't know why Klopp decided to play the two of them and Fabinho. Perhaps, I guess, he had no other options. But he could have started with Minamino um, playing in the number 10 or Keita in the 10 and then have um, Milner and Milner and um, Fabinho play as well. I don't know. Or, or even just change the formation. It seems as if every time that we go into half and they come out and turn the game around... We give Klopp and, and and the coaching staff credit, but I wonder if he's over-reliant on trusting his players to just dig themselves out of a hole because he never changes the tactics. It's always 4-3-3, no matter who the personnel is. So you take out Handel, you take out Mane, you just put in Jota, and you just put in one of the 20 midfielders that we have, but it, it's still the same tactics, right? He didn't do anything to counter how Aston Villa was pressing us. We just... Just like the Leeds game, we just hope that we can outscore them if we make defensive mistakes. Although realistically, we really should be outscoring them, right? Like it, it was a bit of a bad game, but I agree. I I feel like we just do the same thing over and over a lot and and not in a good way. Like we just seem to, we, we have the, the set strategy that Klopp likes, and that's what he's laid out for the team. And that's what we're going to play game in, game out. You know, no matter what happens, this is what we're doing, guys. And that's just kind of how it goes. One thing I'll also say, too, is going into this weekend, I had a feeling, I just had a thought of this happening. I wouldn't say that I I, I believed it was going to happen, but I was not surprised when it happened because for, for several reasons. Number one, since we lost that game against Man City 4-0 at the end of last season, I noticed that without the fans in the stadium, not just Liverpool games, but all the games in general, it games can very quickly descend into farce, right? Because all of a sudden in, in the player's psyche, 
maybe something switches where they they think this is just a friendly because you're playing in an empty stadium you can hear each other yelling at each other and so if if you 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 lose a goal you lose two goals it can very quickly turn into three four five six seven so i think that has a part to play in why we're seeing a lot of these bizarre score lines because i know for a fact the man city game if we had our liverpool fans in there it would have driven them to at least okay we're down two nil let's not lose three nil let's not lose four nil but there's just something about playing in an empty stadium that it, it just maybe tells them that okay this is just a freak this is just a freak score let's just um let's try not to concede however it's okay if we do because this is just not a real game I, maybe i'm oversimplifying it however the, the other things too were when we lost mane and allison after losing the arsenal game in the midweek there there is something to be said about and you probably won't agree with me but there there is something about momentum in football and things change very quickly yeah i mean i we've had this conversation on on momentum and I'm, it's, you know, it's probably more down to my personality, which is, I mean, I've played every position. So I've played, I've played in net as well. And when you let in a bad goal as a, as a keeper, you need to train yourself to wipe your mind of it and go back to work. So there's no such thing as a momentum in a keeper's mind because you need to just perform each time out. And so um, I guess I don't view it as momentum, but there must be something to it. So it, it could be something like that where, you know, we were kind of deflated by the the penalty shootout and we came out a bit deflated. Um, but, but I mean, I don't know. I, you know, losing Mane and putting in Jota should not be a reason that we lose to Aston Villa. Um, I mean, Adrian giving up that goal right off the bat I guess I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't see a big push from the team to get it back like in the next two, three minutes. Like I was expecting them to just come out on fire and be like, okay, you know what, buddy, we're going to, you know, we're going to pick you up as a team. We're going to help you out and we're going to, you know, erase your mistake. I guess I, I thought that would happen, but it really didn't. And I was a little bit disappointed by that. Um, so I don't know, maybe momentum is a thing. It's it, it it maybe it's that's that's what cost us a little bit today. Yeah, and, and I think if this game was at Anfield, then we may have seen the players do that. But I've noticed away games when we concede early, they just they they still play the same calm attempt you know, passing passing game. The problem is that we conceded again and again and again and again, scoring <laughs> one here and there. But yeah, um, and then of course, as good as Jota is, without the experience of Sadio Mane, to ch- when you're chasing a goal, it, it also gives the other team a psychological edge too. Because if they had to deal with Sadio Mane and Mosala, then it's it's a totally different game. And w- of course, we have to come to Roberto Firmino. But so sure what I'll say, that. I'll say, I thought Jota played well. I thought he stayed aggressive. I thought he helped generate chances and he got some of his own chances. Um, that mix up, it was Genie that he mixed it up with where they both went for it, neither took it and yes. ended up losing it. Like those things I can forgive, but I I think he's coming into his own. So I'm okay with it. You know, he's not, he's not Mane, but he's generating enough stuff. Um, on the other side of the front line, Salah, 
that first goal of his, uh, and and frankly, even the second one was vintage Salah. So if what I take from this game is that Salah seems to be back on track, whatever mental block he had seems to be gone because this season he seems to be doing much better. And that first goal was a pure goal scorer's goal. You know, it was there was no thought, there was no time. You just put your foot right through it, and it goes exactly where you want it. That's that's a beautiful goal, um, and that's the kind of stuff that we need him to do. The second one, no hesitation, knew exactly what he wanted to do, got it passed. So if if Salah's gotten going, great. And then we come to the man that we don't want to talk about because I don't even know what to say. So I I. I tried watching Firmino. I spent I spent a lot of the game looking specifically for him and at him. And um, I, I mean, I don't know if he went like through a bad breakup with a soccer ball or something because it's like he'd never seen one before. He hadn't touched it. His passes were off. He'd chest it and it'd go a mile away. Like it's like he's never played football before, man. Yeah, and... I don't know what's in Klopp's mind, but I know probably not Liverpool fans anymore because we've been watching him closely. But I think the neutral press, they give him a little bit too much credit for the few good things he does in the game and just simply overlook the fact that he's been playing like this for almost a year now. In fact, yeah, I think a year. He started last season pretty well and then he slumped and he just hasn't recovered except for a brief couple games in December. So and- he... he- he did make so in his defense he did make a good pass on the second Salah goal. Yes. But that may have been one of only two good touches in the whole game. Right. And it's one thing when your passes are not coming off, but when you're giving the ball away and you're not shooting on sight, you're trying to do little flicks when we're behind and we need goals and you're wearing the number 9 shirt, it's just it's not acceptable. It really isn't. You're and, you're talking about that one in the box where he was just like it was just there. He ran onto it and he should have just blasted it, and right. he decided to do God knows what with it. Right, and he did that. About I think he did that two or three times. Yeah, I, I that one I got I got nothing on that. I don't I don't know. So, from a distance, it it looks as if he's just being casual, but when they zoom in on his face, you can tell that he's frustrated. And he is trying. So this is something is just not quite right there. Maybe he's just getting old. You know what? You are right, though. It has been a year. Because if you recall when uh, he scored during the Club World Cup last year, um, and when he finally got a few goals, and even that one time that he ran straight to uh, to to Klopp, and they were talking about how, oh, like, um, you know, I told him he doesn't need to score. That's not what he does. So this has been a problem for a year now. Um I, I believe he wants to do it. I believe he wants to try. I believe that there's a desire there, but I mean, I don't know if it's father time. I don't I don't know what it is, but you know, he's 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 losing the ball. He's give not not only is he not generating chances like we would need from that position, he's losing the ball at times that create dangerous opportunities for the opposition. Right, because he comes back so deep. It's one thing if he loses it up front, but he comes back pretty much into our into the holding midfielder position, and then he loses the ball there, and that's the problem. Or he'll lose it on the side, in front of the fullback. Yeah, and and so here's a question for you: 
So this is something that just occurred to me. When uh, Carius was in that, you could very much see like after he'd uh, made his one of his many gaffes, um, you could see that the team played differently with him back there because they just didn't trust him. Do you think maybe there's some of that happening with Firmino where the guys are maybe paying slightly off positionally, anticipating him losing the ball? No, but it may have it may be the opposite of that. Maybe they see they they're so used to him dropping deep that they and then they start running because they assume that he'll hold on to the ball, beat a player, and then hit them on the counter or um, hit them on the break. So perhaps it's the opposite where they're giving him much more space. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I so I don't know. This was this was not a good look for Firmino. Um, I, I was hugely disimpressed, and I, I I don't know where he goes from this. I think I think what needs to happen is he needs to be benched for a couple games to see how he responds. If he doesn't respond well, then that might sig- signal the beginning of the end for him as a guaranteed starter. And I know the press will come out with this. He's so integral to our team, et cetera, et cetera. As Liverpool fans, we've seen that he hasn't been as impactful in our team for a year now, a year plus, right? So that just hasn't cut it. The, the, the challenge is, who do you play instead? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What, do you, what no. do you do with them? Because Klopp is so insistent on maintaining that same formation that involves the number nine being all over the place. If you play Minamino there, yes, he'll do a good job, but then we lose something up front where, but maybe that's not as much of an issue if Diogo Jota is playing because he is more of a striker anyway. So he'll, yes, he'll, he'll, he'll start on the left, but he'll drift in more and more and he'll find opportunities to shoot. So perhaps that's not a bad, a bad option to play Minamino there. Of yeah, course, the- I'd rather play Shaq, but we know that, well, we don't know what's happening there, unfortunately. Well, you know, rumor is that Shaq will be sent out, and that's why he's not being made available to the team. They don't want him to get injured. Um, but, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think um, I... So, I actually, I disagree with you on the fact that bench him for a couple of games and bring him back. I think he just, you know what, he needs to go to the bench, and he's a bench player until he proves otherwise. Because he's been given... No, that's what I meant. He's been that's given meant. more than yeah. a year. That's right. what I'm like. Yeah, so okay. put him on the bench until he he, uh, he changes his he improves his form, and and then if he doesn't, then he's on the way out. If he does, it's a good problem to have. Then it means that he's he's playing better, right? But my thing is, it's not even that it's a good problem to have because who do you put in the middle? So to your point, in the middle would be um, Minamino, I guess. But Minamino doesn't bring what Salah and Mane need. So I agree, Minamino, Jota, and Salah would probably work well. I don't know that Minamino would work as well between Mane and Salah. Yeah, Firmino does seem to play well with Sadio Mane. Play a lot better with Sadio Mane, more effectively. So, but then here's the other thing. Are you really, if if you know exactly what other people are doing, does that, you know, because you have familiarity with them, you know, maybe you're not as skilled a player as we thought. Maybe you just have a really good, um, you know, idea of what people are going to do like like is he really a magician or he's just have a lot of familiarity with them that's a good question um it's been so long that i 
maybe I'm forgetting how good he used to be. I just don't, I, I, I just know that now, yes, he does a lot of work for the team, but I guarantee you that if he wasn't in the team, one of the midfielders will be doing that same work. So it's not worth not having a, a clinical striker for the sake of doing something that a midfielder will be doing anyway. That's the way I see it. And yeah, especially I, with Thiago in the team, once he comes back, I mean, Thiago will be be doing a lot of what Roberto Firmino does. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The other thing is, I mean, it it would also take pressure off Salah and Mane. Because essentially with Firmino and the team, um, you know, at, at the very least in the last year, I mean, you can say maybe he's doing a lot of link-up work and yay for him with that. But he is absolutely not scoring goals out of that center forward position. And so it is putting significantly more pressure on Salah and Mane to score. Right. And so maybe and just the other is, team as well, the rest of the team too. Yes. Right. And so maybe you need to start thinking about maybe we need a guy there who can actually score a goal or two um, here and there. And maybe the link up isn't as much like I. Because the thing is, I don't even know. I find I'm like, like I'm like Tino, Timo Werner, right? Don't don't even. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That guy wanted too much money. He didn't work in with the salary, so he didn't take him. It's fine. Um, I don't know. Like at least the guy like Minamino at least seems to have a bit more of a nose for the net at this point. It's not like he's scoring a lot, but when he comes on, it at least seems like he wants to. Where with Firmino, I feel like almost he doesn't even want to score anymore. I know that that's 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 what it really looks like, isn't it? And 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 perhaps he's always been like this. With he used to do the no look pat, uh, sorry, the no look goal and everything else. Maybe this has just always been a part of his demeanor. But now that his form is is not as good as it was, it's really becoming evident that he's be, he's being carried by the team. And so, um, yeah, Klopp will have a lot to think of. I know that he's going away uh, for Brazil, so there's no guarantee he'll even be fit for the Everton game anyway. So, I mean, flying to Brazil now is suicidal, but I mean, it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, so I there was definitely a time when the Sala, Mane, Firmino, you know, trio was you know top flight. And absolutely, Firmino was not the main attraction in terms of goal scoring. He was the link up. But yeah, maybe the last you know year or so, he's more being carried by those other guys as opposed to generating what he used to. So, I mean, that one's frustrating. Anybody else you uh, got a, a bad taste in your mouth from today? I don't want to say bad taste, but Joe Gomez, we, we talk about him every other game. And... I don't know. He, is he? He's 24, 23 or 24? Gomez is, I thought he was 23, but he might have just turned 24. 24. Okay. So he's quickly growing beyond the, he's a young center back. 23, still 23. Okay, 23. So he's still young, but I just don't see improvement, right? So even when he plays a good game these days, it's not any better than his best games a couple seasons ago, right? So he... he but I just don't see any improvement in the areas where he's deficient, his heading and his inability to ensure that whoever's coming attacking from the left doesn't cut in on their right to have a shot, right? Just the basics. And then also 
usually being the culprit, either him or Trent being the culprit for keeping somebody up, um, onside on a free kick or a breakaway. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that honor goes much more to Trent than it does to Gomez usually. Um, he's the guy who's generally offline. But I, I would agree. I mean, I think Gomez definitely last year at his peak or even two years ago at his peak, there's no he, there's no improvement since then. You know, uh, uh, the the value of, of defenders generally keeps going up until you're about 27, 28 because they keep getting better and better, but he's just not. And so, I mean, I, I you know how big a fan I am of his, but I'm just, I'm having a hard time with it. I'm, he had a bad game. No, no two ways about it. Um, the other side is he's he's making just dumb mistakes that you can make in other parts of the field, but as a center back, you just can't make. He he's 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 just not savvy. Yes, he's quick. Yes, he he's able to to put in last minute tackles, but th- he's just not savvy. And I don't know if that will come with age. If I look at a player like Jamie Carragher around that age, he was still kind of all over the place, right? But then he was had a lot less skill than Joe Gomez does. So he, we could all forgive him, and he had the heart of a champion, right? But he grew into into who he became over the years. So perhaps Joe Gomez wills just that he has so much potential to be so much more. But I, I, I honestly, I, I just don't see. I don't know. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I, I, I don't know what the problem is with him. But we can't afford to have him on and off. We need him to be. 75% every game, 80% every game or on the bench. Well, I mean, I would I would go out on a limb and say um we don't know for sure exactly what his issue is, but I think we're 99.9% that it's mental. Just the fact of how we seem to see every single season he starts the season poorly. Um yeah. That's that's either a fitness thing which I can't believe Klopp would forgive. Uh, or it's a mental thing. And so by process of, of elimination, it must be a mental thing. I, I think mentally he's, you know, I maybe he's the momentum guy you're talking about. As the season gets going, as he starts feeling better, as he makes a few good plays, as Van Dyke puts his arm around him, he gets that momentum and he just plays like, you know, a champion after he's played like 10 good games. Like, I don't know what it is, but I would, I would say it's mental. He was not good today. Um, I was unimpressed. And, and I think you made a great point, which is um, Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez on the same side are a problem. Yes, that's, I, that's something that's recurring. I feel like Robertson and, and Van Dyke are much more solid. And if I had the choice, I would rather have, you know, uh, Gomez backing up Robertson because he wouldn't be needed in as many situations where Alexander Arnold does need more help. And so that's where you'd want like a, a rock like like Van Dyke. But again, that's not the side that they play on. But if I had my ideal, they would they would be switched. And I think it would work a lot better. That's not what we have. And then the problem with Nico Williams is we don't really solve any problem by bringing him in for Trent. Because, I mean, you think Trent is a poor defender. I mean, Nico Williams, he's a good defender, good player, but he's way too young, way too bold, way too inexperienced. And, I mean, he will certainly continue to make mistakes as he's developing, which is understood. So the only solution I see, which 
I don't want to see is Klopp putting Gomez on the right wing and putting Fabinho or Joel Matip in the center. But I don't want to see that because Klopp will still try to play the same way and Gomez is not Trent. So I don't want to see him bombing forward and try putting in crosses. I, I just don't want to see that. No, Gomez Gomez doesn't belong on the uh, in the Alexander-Arnold role. I think we've seen him there. He's uncomfortable doing it. I think there's no point. You either decide that you live with what he gives you or not. Um, and with Neko Williams, uh, Neko Williams is is still young, still figuring out the game um, at the professional level. And so there's I as much as we criticize Alexander-Arnold for his defensive shortcomings, uh, Neko Williams not an upgrade in that way. Right. Okay, so anybody else uh, that you, uh, I mean, Fab, what I will say is Fab on defense, very much highlighted, again, I think very good defender, but it definitely highlighted um, Gomez's speed. Yes, not only not only Fabinho, but also, the I think, was it the eighth goal? The 732nd goal, because it kind of yeah. felt like that. It felt like that, yeah. <laughs> um, the seventh one? Gomez, for sure, w- would have caught that ball. So he probably wouldn't have attempted to slide. He would have just begun racing back, and then he would have caught up with Grealish. So, so y- y- you're right we lose the pace, but perhaps we're overly reliant on it because only he and Van Dijk are, are quick in terms of our center back. So perhaps we shouldn't build a whole strategy around that. Well, I mean, is that the strategy of the high line? Because there's got to be a reason we keep doing it, even though it's it's driving me nuts. And, and I'm going to, we've talked about this before, and I'm going to tell you again, on their goal from that free kick, which was uh, um, the... I don't know if you remember the one where basically they ran three guys offside on the kick. Yes. But they actually kicked it to the fourth guy who was onside, played the other three onside. No, no, no. Like, I'm sorry. Once you're offside, you're out of the play for the remainder of this play. Like, I'm done with the passive offside. Like, it's it's when you literally have four guys and you're not sure who's onside, as a team and as a group of defenders, you cannot play that. Who do I run to? Who do I not run to? No, but to be fair, the person that received the pass and the person that scored were not offside. So the person who received the pass was not offside. The person who scored needed um, AutoCAD to figure out if he was offside or not. When I looked at it, when I slowed it down, it looked offside to me, but it was close enough. But at least two of four were offside, which to me affects the way the defense is going to play them. If I was the if I was the keeper and I see a guy offside, I'd literally run directly at that player and I'd say I was distracted by him. That would be my strategy every single time. Because like when a cross is coming back, like you just don't know who to play anymore. It's it's now becoming a kind of dark arts weapon that clearly Liverpool's not using and we need to start using it cuz this kind of stuff drives me nuts, but we need to start doing it. Anyway, not not worth getting upset over that. It's it's not like that one one goal was the one that sunk us. No. <laughs> Although I will say I did think it was a penalty on uh, when Salah. Salah got taken out at the beginning. Um, in, in in you know in a way, I agree that was a penalty, and we probably would have come back and won that game if we had that penalty. But in a way, I'm 
I'm I'm ha- happier with the way things turned out. Like I think there are a lot of there are a lot of issues in our team and squad that need addressing, and it's good for games like this to come up every now and then to highlight them. I remember a couple years ago, maybe three four years ago, when we lost to Spurs four one, um, and then Klopp took off Lovren, and then in January we we completed the Van Dyke deal, right? Um, but even before that, right after that game is when we started our run of having a solid defense for the rest of the season. So I think games like this were very necessary. Klopp and, and Pep um, Linders, I'm sure they see more than, oh, I'm, I know they see more than we're seeing. So I think it's good for things like this to come out to remind them that his players are still human. Yes, we talk about mentality monsters and everything else, but that cannot be our strategy every single game. No, I agree. Like, I think, I think this loss is good in the long run, even though it sucks. I think if we, if that penalty had been called, um, I agree with you. I think we probably would have won the game. What I, what I will say is, and, and I argue this all the time is I'm okay with that not being called a penalty, but then some of the cream puff calls that came later, like you either decide it's a call or it's not like you, you can't, you can't have it both ways. And that's what drives me nuts. Um, but again, I mean, it's, it's a loss. It's, it's not a good loss. It's a bad loss. And it's the kind of loss that as a coach, you can now turn around and say to your players, yeah, you thought you were all that. Well, you're not. But the worst part of it is we have, we don't have, we have the international break now. So we have two weeks off. So he can't even channel this frustration into a game coming up soon, which happens to be Everton. And it's an early Saturday game and we never do well. Well, we rarely do well in those. And I'm actually, I don't want to say concerned because even if we lose that game, we'll be fine. But I'm not looking forward to that game. Let's put it that way. I don't think Mane will be back. Allison is out. And I think, yeah, that's all that needs to be said. Henderson should be back, but who knows what's going to happen when he goes to, uh, to play for England. He may play a couple games and pull a half string or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting Merseyside Derby. So, I mean, I think, I think it's more a case. So not that I disagree with you about the, the two week break, but I, I do think back to uh, this actually in a different sport in, in hockey where um, a team was playing very well and they basically won like, I don't know, 13 of their first 14 games or something ridiculous. And there were glaring errors. And he was asked by like a reporter, like, how, how are you working on them? And he's like, what do you mean working on them? These guys are winning every game. They're not listening to any improvement. I'm trying to tell them. And so to me, I was thinking like, huh, that's interesting. Like even players who it's their profession, they know there's a coach who's a great coach who's trying to tell them stuff. They're just not listening because they're winning. They're winning. They're winning well. They're having fun. Like So in a way, this kind of uh, loss you know, think of all the losses that we had last year. All the losses that we had last year were after um, after we'd already won the league. We knew the league was over. Uh, the team clearly had a letdown. You know, maybe they can discount that. But this one, this is at the beginning of the season. This is one that absolutely we should have won. Like, who's Aston Villa? Right? Like, you know, and to all the Aston Villa fans uh, who are going nuts about this and, and thinking it means something else, let me know what Champions League uh, grouping you're in. Um, so you're not playing a top team and, and you got embarrassed. It's actually a good thing. Now Klopp can turn around and say all those holes in defense that I've been telling you the last, how many games that nobody's bothered fixing, how'd it feel? So it's, it's, a it's as good a learning 
lesson as Klopp can have. And I agree with you. I think him and Pep Linders are going to use this well. Maybe they won't have the energy or the anger that this game could have generated for the next one, but it it's got teachable moments. And and I think with it simply being a Merseyside derby, it's good because that in itself is enough to g them up because they'll be hearing it from everybody in the city leading up to that game. How Everton is is top of the league and this is their opportunity to beat Liverpool for the first time in who knows how long. So hopefully that'll be enough to motivate them. I'm just concerned with who's going to be available after these next two weeks. Thankfully, Mo Salah's not going anywhere because either Egypt's not playing or he wasn't called up or whatever. But I don't, I don't really care about the reason, but he's not going anywhere. So that's good. Um, I hope Henderson is fit. I hope uh, Van Dyke and Robertson are fit. And yeah, everybody. You know, and I, I hope Thiago's back as well. If if Thiago's back, Salah's there, I mean, we'll, we'll have a good Merseyside derby. Um, the other thing is it'd be nice to get Everton, you know, down a peg, which... You know, I, I don't think they're the world beaters that they've looked so far this season, but I could I can see the added um, benefit of playing them right now, which is that it's a Merseyside derby, so get your energy level up. No more of this, like, staying in third gear the whole game. Take it all the way up. Um, I could see it also as, guess who's above you in the standings because you're not leading anymore. Like, that kind of encouragement. So, you know, I, I think they'll get up for it as long as we have the players, which I hope we do. Um, I, I think it'll be a good game. So in, in closing, so who, who is your man of the match for this one? Hmm. On our, on our team, on our team. I think there's only one choice. <laughs> well, I think Robinson played well. Oh, you actually went with Robbo. I was going to go with Salah. Well, yeah, he, he scored the goals, but other than that, I mean, he got his feet tangled up a few times as well. Um, he, he scored goals that he should be scoring, right? Hey, and, and I'll tell you something. That to me is big because he went through a period where he was missing goals he should have scored. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he certainly, he, he, like we talked about, he, he is dropping deeper a lot more. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I guess it's a good thing if Sadio Mane is playing, but yeah, I don't know if it's a, if it's a good thing if... Mane's not playing and uh, Roberto Firmino is not playing either. <laughs> well, I mean, so uh, to me, my man of the match was Salah, but I do see uh, Robertson played a good game. My yeah. unman of the match was uh, Firmino. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if his time's just up. I mean, I know Klopp and Pep Linder see stuff that we don't, but God, that was awful. Um, do you play Origi against Everton from the start? Against Everton? Yeah. Oh, I would have brought Origi on today. Yeah, I know. I don't know why why he wasn't brought on. I mean, it was clear from the get-go that they were going to be physical. Right. So, you know, bring on a guy who will be physical. Bring on Origi. And you try to push Origi out of the box, and he's strong enough to hold his position, then spin on you and make you look like an idiot while he scores. So this would have been the perfect game for him. Because the games where the guys sit back a bit, play a defensive thing, make you, you know, cut him apart, that's not ideal for him. But the muscle on muscle game is a good game for him. So I don't know why Origi wasn't brought on. I mean, I know we needed James Milner to help us out there for some reason, somehow. I'm not sure. But I don't know. Maybe Klopp decided we'd already lost. Why try? But I, I felt like this was a good, would have been a good Origi game. 
in terms yeah. of next week, I don't know. Bring him on. I, I think you need to keep giving Jota a chance if Mane's not there. I think Jota, well, you paid too much for him and he's got too much potential to just sit him on the bench. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not replacing him for Jota. I'm I'm asking, do we play a Rigi or a Roberto Firmino? Ooh. Uh, two totally different players. Uh, problem, yeah. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, and I have no idea if this would even work, I just, I like... Um, I like Origi over on the Mane side. I don't love him in the middle. I feel he's much less effective. So I wonder, would Jota be good in the middle? I think so. I know he played for uh, full, for the for Wolves. He played in the middle some. So I guess I would bring on Origi and put him in the middle. I just, Firmino's just got to be sat. I mean, there's there's just no other way around it. It was it was painful. It was horrible. He had chances that he just gave away. He had non chances that he just fumbled the ball. It was kind of an embarrassment today. So, you know, maybe he just needs some time away from it. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think he needs to be off for the Everton game. So I suspect that that Klopp is going to put Gomez at right back against Everton. I'm not saying this is what I would do, but I suspect that's what he'll do. He'll drop Fabinho into the defense and he'll play Henderson, Thiago, and Genie in the middle. And up front he'll play Salah, Jota, and Origi. I, I I suspect he'll do something like that. And he'll have the excuse of Firmino is jet lagged or something like that. So he, he doesn't want to rush him back in into the starting lineup. Because he, he has done that before, right? It's just that now he has the added incentive of dropping a player who's out of form. So what does he do with Alexander Arnold? Puts him on the bench. Really? Well, I mean that completely skews the way the way we play. Or is it is it just more you're thinking about um who is it Richarlison who's on that side? Um I think isn't Richarlison injured? Oh, he may have been. I'm not sure if 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 he'll be back by then, but it's it's more Number one, it's more getting Gomez out of the middle, so putting Fabinho there. But then to what we're uh, talking about, the right side being weak, Gomez is a better defender than Trent. And when he's defending from the fullback position, he's a lot less culpable to make the mistakes that he does on the right side of Van Dijk, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but taking Alexander-Arnold means that we lose a lot of offense which he hasn't really been providing anyway. Yeah, he's been a bit out of form. So I, what I will say is, looking at this game, it felt like a lot of guys had bad games <laughs> all at the yeah, same time. Exactly. And also, it looks like a lot of guys are kind of out of form all at the same time. Like, Gomez is out of form. Alexander-Arnold's out of form. Firmino's out of form. Um, Genie is kind of okay. Um, yeah, Fabinho looked okay, but still just made some kind of mistakes that you wouldn't think he would. Like, it seems like a lot of guys are all out of form at the same time. I don't know if it's a championship hangover or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's uh, hopefully the two-week break does us good and we can uh, re, uh, you know, get everything back because uh, the Derby's uh, coming up and, and we definitely want to win that one. For more stories, analysis, and articles, go to the forensicop.com website.